Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Salam everyone! This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for, for Islam and Democracy saying a very warm, really, really warm greeting from Manila. <laughs> Hi, Dina. What's it like in KL? Hi, hi, Amina. Hello, everyone. On She Talks Peace, uh, before I tell you how it's like in Kuala Lumpur, I'm Dina from Iman Research Malaysia. And yes, like in the Philippines, we're all dying from the heat. Initially, I thought it was my menopause going on overdrive. <laughs> but no, it's climate change. <laughs> it's <hot>. You don't <laughs> know which is worse, the menopause or the climate change? Oh, God. I would like it's to both. interview a peace builder <laughs> who is going through the, 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 the what do you call it, the trauma of going through this big change because it ain't, it's yeah, not I know. good. But anyway, yes. I know what so you mean. Me. But um, not speaking of menopause, uh-huh. let's talk about a uh, different kind of a uh, heat. Let's yeah. let's let's talk politics, Dina. I oh, keep yes. asking you why you don't want to run for parliament. So I Ooh. just wanted to ask you, has there ever, ever been a woman aspiring to be prime minister of Malaysia? Will there ever be a Malaysian woman prime minister, you think? I think there have always been young women, women mm. of any age who aspire to be the Prime Minister of Malaysia and want to bring change to Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there have been a few candidates which we thought would have been really good, right? Mm. One would be Anwar Ibrahim's daughter, Nurul Iza. Mm -hmm. One would also be uh, uh, Ambiga, um, the one who chairs birthday. And there's also politicians like Hannah Yeo, Kashturi Puto. I mean, these are women that a lot of women look up to and hope. You know, they could put some sense in our patriarchal politics. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to look like this. I mean, you know, we've I'm known ruled Malaysia for over 60 years, and we had very capable female ministers. You know, one of them is Rafida Ani. Uh, uh, right. Aziz, yeah. She was good. She was an iron woman, right? Iron and, woman, I like that. Yeah, yeah. There were many of those, but somehow when it came to 
you know, that position of becoming the Prime Minister of Malaysia, it was always that it had to be a man. It had oh, to dear. be Malay, it had to be Muslim. And I don't think this is going to change in the next five years, right? Will there be a Malaysian woman PM? One can only hope. But to do so, I would say that the system has to change like now. And as you know, Amina, and also the listeners of She Talks Peace, I've been talking about how we're trying to navigate so many government changes in the last two years. Now there's thought that there may be another huh? general elections this year. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know anymore. <laughs> well, no yeah. wonders will never cease. I mean, mm-hmm. let's take a look at Southeast Asia. Uh, yeah. The Philippines, we've had two uh, female heads of state. The first one yeah. was the late uh, Corazon Siaquino, uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. President Cory, uh, the icon of democracy, and then uh, followed by um, former President Gloria Macapagal Arroyo. Indonesia yeah. has had yeah. um, head of state. And mm-hmm. then um, you have in Myanmar a head of yes. state, yes. although she's been put uh, on ice by the yeah. the junta. Southern yeah. Thailand, I mean, uh, sorry, right. Thailand has had yeah. uh, a head of state who's uh, female. So you know, it's getting closer and closer to yeah uh, to Malaysia. But okay. you know, speaking about um, women in uh, national. Politics. Our right. our election season in in the Philippines is getting yes. really really hot. It's okay. um, I think say, you know, maybe six weeks from now, seven weeks, we're right. going to have our our elections. Oh wow! And uh, yes. uh-huh. we we have a woman running for mm-hmm. vice president, and I think six men. We have a woman running for vice president. Um, right. So it's going to be fascinating. And isn't it great that we have two guests today who can oh. share with us yes, their yes. insights on women and politics. And they've been our guests before on yes. uh, She Talks Peace. It's so, great to see them again. Yes. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. and they're and, and they're fun to talk to. So <laughs> yeah. let me let me introduce first um Sok. Dr. Socorro Reyes, who's Senior Regional Governance Advisor of the Center for Legislative Development. Uh, Soc Reyes is not just a policy analyst. Uh, she's a governance advisor. Uh, she lobbies in uh, mm-hmm. Senate and Congress. That's when I actually met her first, lobbying in the Senate, when my mom was in the senator. She's a woman's rights advocate. She's an international consultant on public policy and governance, social yeah. development, and gender equality. Did you know that she was chief of the Asia Pacific and Arab states of UN Women? Yeah. That's that's quite interesting. And she was yes. also UNDP senior gender advisor for uh-huh. Pakistan. So right. Sok, I mean, Sok has been. Really, an incredible resource, especially for the programs that we've been doing in uh, in the Bangsamoro, and mm-hmm. she has written and published so many articles and monographs. And right now, she has a uh, research which I want to hear more about, and it's called right. "Building the Women's Vote." So that's right. that's Sok Reyes. And who are you introducing, Dina? I will be introducing. Professor Aurora Javate de Dios, 
Uh, she, I mean, we've been speaking to her on our other project, right, Amina? Yeah. And yeah, so to our listeners, yeah, Professor Aurora is a lifelong feminist leader who combines academic excellence and advocacy for women's human rights and gender equality. She is currently the Senior Project Director of the Women and Gender Institute at Miriam College, where she was former college dean and is now a professor in international relations, migration and gender studies. She is currently a co-convenant of the Women's Peace Collective. She's also a former chairperson of the board of the commissioners of the National Commission on the Role of Filipino Women. She lobbied for the passage of the Anti-Trafficking in Persons Act and the Violence Against Women and the Children Act. She was also elected as one of the experts in the UN Committee on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, where she became repertoire. Uh, Professor De Dios has also been the women's representative to the Philippine Interagency Council on, Tra- on the Trafficking of Persons. Uh, she was also the Philippines representative for women's rights to the ASEAN Commission on the Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Women and Children in 2010 and 2015. Phew. She is, lastly, but not the least, a member of the External Advisory of the Asian uh, of External Advisory Board. Of the Asian Development Bank. Sorry for that knee hiccup. Uh, she also works with the government agencies, international organization, and ASEAN communities as a gender consultant and trainer on CEDAW and its optional protocol, gender mainstreaming, and gender migration. Ooh, both their CVs, Amina. <laughs> no. Welcome to She Talks Peace, Doc Oyi and Doc Sok. Say hello to our listeners. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Amina, for that very kind introduction. I am really very interested in uh, podcasts and in the topic that uh, you have today. So I uh, seized, grab actually, the opportunity <laughs> once Amina invited me and I said, oh, it's a good forum for me to speak. <laughs> thank to you, start, Amina. To start and some thank- mischief. Oy, say, say you cannot hello. say no. You can never <laughs> say no to Amina when she says, yeah, please guest in our podcast yes, all the time, morning, noon, and night. <laughs> and uh, so happy for, for, for you to discuss this topic because this is so relevant. I think uh, one after the other, many Southeast Asian countries will be holding their elections. Yeah, And of course, the usual question of why are women not in politics? Or if right. they are, they're so marginalized and they're just a teeny weeny bit of the numbers who run for office. So this is a very, very interesting time to talk about this topic. Hey, Dina, you had a burning question earlier about women politicians. Why don't you ask Oye now? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Professor Aurora, uh, Dr. Yes. Socorro, you both are advocates <clears throat> for women in political leadership. <clears throat> So please tell us, are women politicians automatically champions of women's right and empowerment? Because I can see that in Malaysia, some are and some aren't. Because they fall, they want to, you know, obey the patriarchal framework. So what do you think? Uh, yes, I think uh, you're quite right. Everywhere we see that there are, you know, outstanding women who champion women's rights and are quite vocal about, you know, uh, pushing and promoting women's empowerment in every way, in legislation as well as in, you know, in the political field. Um, 
However, this is not true for all women. Uh, women are probably influenced by their class, no, their social yeah. in society, especially uh, when they are coming from very uh, rich, elite, and politically uh, politically influential families. Right. Uh, so it's not quite automatic that when you're a woman, you automatically understand and promote women's uh, rights and economic empowerment, for example, because we are not born with it. The consciousness is simply not there. What we are born with and we are socialized are those traditional norms and values that we, you know, are taught us by our mothers, our Mm -hmm. grandmothers. I also grew up with my grandmother. So this is, you know, uh, the, the, uh, what they call the advice and, you know, the kind of and guidelines that they, I, that they usually were seven girls in the family. So you can imagine that, uh, you know, it would have been, you know, such a powerful party if we all thought yeah. that women's rights should be, yeah. uh, should, should be fought for. But no, we got the message that, you know, you better learn how to cook, to clean, and yeah. to do certain things that's appropriate for women because all of you will get married. And so you have to behave <laughs> a certain way and, and don't really socialize with the guys because that's not good for decent women and all that. But, you know, uh, I, I think it was only in college that I realized that, uh-oh, there's, there's a big problem here. Once you see the kind of relationships between men and women, at the adult stage, at, uh, wait a minute, there's such uh, inequality in every way. So you begin to question. And uh, from there, you start your own socialization and education about uh, women's rights. So Yeah. And Oye, huh? you know, talking about uh, male versus female leaders, it's true. I mean, just because you're a woman, it doesn't automatically mean you're going to be a woman's champion. I mean, remember the okay. time when we were with uh, uh, the, the administration of uh, President uh, Fidel V. Ramos. Yes. He was the most proactive supporter of uh, of women's of the women's agenda yeah. compared to you know another a woman a national leader. <laughs> Yes, yes. What do you, what do you think? What, so? uh, what a contrast. The quick answer to your question, Dina, is no. Women politicians <laughs> are not automatically champion of women's rights. In fact, yeah. they, are, <laughs> they, are, they are your biggest risks. They are the biggest mm-hmm. threats. And I will, be very, I, will be, yeah, I will be very frank. <laughs> Let's just talk about women presidents in the Philippines. Uh-huh. Okay. Not all women presidents are presidents for women. Yeah. Okay? Even when we celebrate Cory Aquino as the icon of democracy, during her time, women's reproductive and sexual rights was not, were not really pushed because she was very deferential to the church. And the church, of course, opposed any kind of family planning and you know, all uh, that stuff. Okay. And then uh, Gloria Macapagal-Arroyo, of course, uh, during her time, you know, the Magna Carta of Women was signed. But you see, it's one thing to sign bills into laws. 
and another to really implement those laws. And I'll give you a more recent example. Uh, you must have heard about uh, Senator Laila Dilima, who yeah, yeah. was, you know, uh, who was uh, humiliated, who was harassed, who was, you know, yes. insulted, vilified by uh, this uh, macho President Duterte. Question, did the women legislators defend her, take her side? Whether from the House of Representatives or the Senate, no, except for a few. In the House of Representatives, for example, the women legislators joined in uh, the, you know, the, 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 the laughter, the ridicule uh, of Senator Laila Dilima during her court, uh, sorry, hearing in the House Committee on Justice. There was just chiming in. Nobody really said, hey, look. You know, uh, no, no woman member of the House of Representatives said, hey, look, you cannot do that. You, can, you cannot, you know, uh, bring this uh, women, this woman's, you know, uh, sex life into the picture, which, of course, they fisted on uh, in the uh, hearing. And in the Senate, how many women senators really defended Senator Laila de Lima, except for Risa Montiveros? who is, of course, a member also of her own party. The rest just kept quiet, you know? And in fact, um, um, quietly, they were saying that they don't really like her. See? Yeah, I I'm giving you, you concrete examples yeah. of women, politicians, not automatically championing women's rights. In fact, right. in fact, threatening human uh, women's rights. In fact, right. joining the men in trampling on women's rights. Is it because women, right, not all, okay, it's easier and more comfortable to work within a masculine framework. It's nicer to be light instead of, you know, pushing against the grain. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's quite right, no? Uh, because I think that uh, most women really, to enter politics, it takes a lot of courage, a lot of resources, and a lot of guts. And uh, from uh, the actual politicians, uh, local politicians that uh, we have listened to just a couple of days ago, they say that, you know, uh, and, uh, and we, we asked them what were the challenges that you faced while you were campaigning. And they said, well, uh, you know, your, your opponents will dig in on your, your personal life, including your sexual life, and, you know, maliciously spread those rumors uh, they will throw in a lot of uh, misogynist and sexist remarks against you. Uh, that is unthinkable, no, uh, for 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 okay. candidates, especially online. And this is uh, the trouble now with the technology that we have. You can really just destroy anyone, uh, particularly women. Um, male, male candidates, uh, yes, of course, they are also threatened, but women are threatened in a very personal way. Uh, that not only threatens them personally, but also includes their whole family, even the children. Like, why are you running? You're neglecting your family. What is this? Uh, and you are, you know, making your husband, you know, like um, under desire, which means, uh, you know, a very inferior husband. So all those gender norms are thrown at you all at the same time. You know? uh, and uh, the, the example of... Uh, 
Senator Delima was the most extreme that I have I we have ever seen in Philippine politics. So this goes on even if you know education is going on. There's a lot of campaign for gender, uh, gender respect for gender and all of that. But we still have that. That's a kind of climate that uh, you know female leaders uh, have to survive. And, and so that's uh, you know uh, you know why is it so difficult? So uh, alternatively. To compromise is, you know, as you said, easier. You no, know? like uh, you can uh, just be pliant, keep quiet, look pretty, which is what is happening in the halls of every parliament that women are look upon as, you know, women who parade around like a fashion show, and that, because that's what they're good for, not to look pretty yeah. and to add, uh, you know, female <laughs> touch. To, but but um, I think no one has ever gone out, you know, to destroy those stereotypes, except for a few like Miriam Defensor Santiago, like uh, right. Senator De Lima. You, you can count with your fingers those with a lot of courage. Mm-hmm to step up and really yeah. say what it is that needs to be said. Uh, and yet, Oye, yeah. you and Sok and many of our uh, women advocates are campaigning very, very heavily for more women's uh, participation, women's representation in, in politics. Now, given uh, the, uh, the trend uh, globally towards a more authoritarian system, you will definitely see a rise in patriarchal uh, approaches to politics uh, as well. So what do you think is happening in, in the Philippines and, um, and Southeast Asia? Are we improving participation of women in politics at all or is it on the decline? Okay, let me, let me, let me answer that. Um, Amina, you know, I've worked in this area of women's political participation for the past three decades. And uh, to be very honest, I am already beyond numbers. I am beyond just getting more women elected into office. Because I think that, um, you know, um, even if you talk about increasing the numbers of women in legislatures or increasing the number of women in uh, the executive branch, if you have women who uh, have embraced Consciously or unconsciously patriarchy, they're the worst enemies, you know, of feminism. In fact, they are always cited to you as, oh, there is already this woman president. What are you complaining about? You had two women presidents. So uh, what, what are you complaining about? So I think um, beyond numbers, uh, we should also uh, be more now focused on the kind of women elected into office. We cannot just, uh, you know, uh, you know, proudly say that, you know, in Southeast Asia or in Asia or in any other part of the world that we have more women because um, our um, objective is really to get uh, the women's agenda of gender equality and women's rights into the table. And uh, if that is not happening, like, uh, you know, in in the Philippines, for example, look, I mean, we're not really wanting in uh, women in parliament uh, because we have what, like 28 to 30 percent, we have those uh, women. And uh, about that question of uh, is it nicer to be liked? You know, um, the, the women are themselves, you know, um, uh, victims of patriarchy. Oh, I don't say victims. I think um, they really more are um, when they 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 
they embrace this, you know, uh, male domination. And uh, in fact, look uh, in our Congress, the initial um, the initial representative in Congress is a male, the husband. Okay, the, when the husband finishes three terms, then the wife, you know, takes over. And or the, daughter, like, or the daughter, or you know, or and, the, and, and, and daughter in law, and they are okay with that, you know, or the mother, you know, or the sister, you know, and then uh, they just sit warmers, no. So after, uh, you know, one term, then they give up, give it to the man, you know, and he's back. And, uh, so they're really conspirators, you know. Some of these women are really more, uh, more conspirators. I uh, know I'm uh, speaking very strongly, but I've worked in this area for so long and I really get very frustrated when uh, you get uh, women who are really uh, mm, the worst enemies of feminism, I would say. women um you know having so much difficulty and facing so many barriers and challenges before they could even be elected and the only way the only pathway for them to enter is through their relatives their uh, their politician husbands their fathers so if you do not have the name you do not have the resources and you don't have the network of your family political family then uh, you know there's no way you can rise up on your own Uh, there are a few in the case of the Philippines, no? like uh, I think uh, Miss Padaka, who was a person with disability. Grace with, Padaka. Etc. But that is a rare, rare gem. no? And it only happened once. The next election, she was booted out. So I think uh-huh. that uh, uh, that's one. Although before I, uh, before I thought that if you are connected with the family, you are automatically a tradition. traditional politician are no good. But on the other hand, new generations of these uh, daughters and sons are exposed to progressive education. No, uh, Some have studied abroad, some have associated with you know, different progressive groups. So uh, I've seen some of them 
really trying to transform themselves into something else other than what they're known for, no? other than their traditional norms of their families. So I'm that that's one, that's one aspect I'm very hopeful of. The second is uh, our generation of young women now are so exposed to the messages of gender equality that yeah. they are you know, more encouraged to take on leadership training, to take on, you know, uh, in their communities, in schools. And I have, uh, you know, maybe in the next decade, more young women entering the political field. But that's only uh, possible when you have enabling laws and policies, no? Like uh, what SOC was proposing, and I leave uh, SOC to explain what that is, the legislative reforms, the electoral reforms that will make it more gender friendly for women to enter politics. So, for example, the quota system, which unfortunately did not pass in in the Philippines because of male resistance, uh, that 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 would help. No, and then the second is, of course, uh, financial financial assistance from either government or uh, or private sector to help women, you know, cross the line. Because other than that, we will be you know, left with, you know, this, all this, and this uh, kind of uh, patriarchal system that will yeah. only perpetrate themselves in power. In centuries, uh, in the Philippines, there is a study that that looked at the different political class that have existed for at least 100 years. Uh, can you imagine that? That means there is no break in the dynastic, the grip of dynastic politics in the Philippines and I suppose in other countries as well. So we need to break that, uh, you know, that block blockages and the barriers on women's leadership. One, uh, training of young women, a new generation of women, young women leaders. And the second, uh, enabling conditions for them to be able to do that. And yet, uh, running for national office uh, today in the Philippines, we have two women who got into politics because of their family. I mean, you have Vice President Robredo was forced essentially to yeah. running uh, because her husband uh, passed away, uh, Jesse Robredo. And uh, you have Sara Duterte who ran for uh, local politics in Davao City because her father was long uh, long-time uh, mayor of uh, Davao City. And these two women have made a name for themselves in the field of politics, quite, quite uh, different from the names that their husbands had uh, established for themselves. So, Oye, so, uh, don't you feel encouraged by the performance oh. of uh, women like uh, Vice President Robredo and uh, Mayor Sara Duterte? What do you think, Oye? Uh, well, yes. Yes and no. Yes and no. Huh? <laughs> yes and no. Sorry, I think, it, you know what, I'm very disappointed that only a few women are running for national office this time around. No? Uh, but I think it's not only the numbers, uh, but it's also the quality and the kind of politics that they bring in. Sara Duterte brings in the old patriarchal uh, uh, what male macho type of politics? She's even more macho than the father, no? So she uses violence just like the father. Uh, 
the kind of politics that Lenny represents is something else, no? It's, I would call, uh, an emerging transformative kind of politics that does not rely on, you know, money, violence, and, uh, and muscle power. Uh, this is the first time I've seen people participate, spending their own money, supporting her in big numbers, in huge, massive, humongous rallies on their own initiative, sustaining this through their own energy, through their own resources, and recognizing that she is the kind of leader that represents participatory, uh, decent, and transparent governance. Because she has already done this at the local level. So kita muna. You don't have to expect something miraculous after she's elected. She's already demonstrated it. Secondly, she's a wonderful crisis manager with the little resources that she has. She has been able to kind of help the most needy in remote areas in the Philippines. I'm so impressed. You know, like she was in Basilan, Tawi-Tawi. These are you know, Marawi. Don't forget Marawi. Never visited by politicians, but she did. No? And uh, so uh, her example is exemplary. She's really outstanding and uh, a cut above the rest. Yeah, what do I you think, something. Lenny and Sarah are studies in contrast. Okay? <laughs> Lenny, I mean, I agree with everything that uh, that Oye said, and uh, these two uh, bring different kinds of uh, leadership in politics. I will, uh, you know, Oye has already said a lot about Lenny, but you see, while it is true that Lenny uh, got into politics when Jesse died. Even before that, she was already very much involved in uh, political change by being uh, a lawyer, uh, working on, uh, working with the marginalized. In other words, she brings, you know, her background is very, it's very different. You know, though uh, now uh, she is, uh, what, she, she, was a representative, she was vice president, and she is now, you know, uh, president. In other words, she's not somebody who just stepped into her husband's shoes, but she is her own kind of person. I have problems with Sarah because, um, you know, I, 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 I see her as uh, somebody who might bring a different leadership from the father, but exudes the same qualities of uh, a patriarchal leader. Like, for example, uh, you, you know, um, what, what did she do? She hit that uh, sheriff who uh, was, uh, you know, implementing like an uh, uh, ejection order. And uh, she wants, you know, people to get enlisted uh, in the military. And, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, it's very... Patriarchal. It's not only that men are the ones uh, who are uh, exuding all those patriarchal qualities. Even women does. So I, I, I really have uh, you know problems with that. But uh, going back to your question, I mean, uh, uh, am I cynical? No, I'm not really that cynical. But I'm telling you realistically, what kind of women uh, will really uh, we, we need? that will uh, defend or work on gender equality and women's rights. And I agree with uh, Oye that, you know, there's all this training. And all. But you see, the change cannot just be individual. It has to be institutional. It has got also uh, to 
rely not only on capabilities, not only on consciousness, but uh, would also depend on uh, how we will be able to address, you know, patriarchal values. And of course, uh, the, the you, you also need structural uh, change, no? like uh, Oyi was uh, referring to what I've always been pushing, what I've been advocating, which is uh, electoral reform. Um, the women uh, who have that correct political consciousness and leadership might stand a better chance if instead of having our electoral system right now, which is as a plurality system where anybody who gets the highest number of votes wins, if we could have, you know, a party-based proportional representation system where uh, we vote uh, not really for individual candidates, but we vote for political parties, political parties get seats in proportion to the number of uh, votes that they receive, we might be able to, uh, you know, break this dynastic politics, this family politics, and we might get more women who are uh, into uh, the women's rights agenda into office. But that's another, th- that will be a long conversation and maybe it's not for this uh, podcast, but that's what, all I'm saying yep. is that we have to go beyond just numbers. Yeah, political reform is uh, another topic uh, altogether. But Dina, you might be wondering what we were uh, discussing about Sara Duterte. The first yeah. time she <laughs> came to my attention, to national attention, oh. was when she mm-hmm. was mayor. Uh-huh. And the sheriff of the city was forcibly ed- evicting uh, squatters. And uh, she went right there and bitch like Will Smith at the Oscars. Who bitch slapped? Who bitch slapped uh, Chris Rock? Sarah Duterte did the same and uh, punched the sheriff for evicting him. Yeah, so she came to national attention. Of course, you know you can say that that's uh, violence, but um, in that particular case, Sarah made a name for herself, and from that time on, she has shown herself to be somebody who. Uh, does not do her father's bidding, even though her father was uh, was president. But then, of course, the, uh, people are talking about the dynasties and how the um, uh, you know the current policy of the administration is going to be continued by Sarah Duterte. So that's the background. Uh, that's the background, Dina, about uh, Sarah Duterte. <laughs> Wow. Okay, that's like a K-pop drama kind of yes. thing. Like, yes. <laughs> <Ooh>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just listening here and thinking that this really okay. Despite our or you know our guest aversion and wariness towards a lot of women who are not you know advocates for women in power in politics, why do you keep? Why are you in this space then? Why are you in this sphere? Do you still have hope that women will step up and say, look, I'm not here for the men, I'm here for the women, and I'm going to push more women in? Are you, is that why you're still here? Oh, oh, this, this question again, still, yeah. what, what is the question? No, I mean, we've been talking. We've been talking about how disappointed you know, the, the both of you have been about certain characters, certain personalities who are not actually empowering women, who are not pushing for the WPS agenda, so to speak, or women in politics. So being both very jaded 
and of course, illustrious academics, professors, activists. Why are you still in this sphere, in this space? Do you still have hope that there will be someone that will change your mind? Yeah, look, I mean, don't get me wrong. Huh? I'm not <laughs> saying that we shouldn't get women elected into office. What yes. I'm opposing is not, uh, not just, what I'm opposing is we shouldn't just be focused on numbers, on increasing numbers, because that's, I think, what many are obsessed with. What I'm saying is that we have to be, uh, we, we have to really be uh, more, uh, what, more selective, we're more deliberate in our choices. And, you know, all, all over the world, you have leaders, like, for example, you have the leader of New Zealand, or you have the leader of Germany, the woman leader, the woman prime minister. You, you have got good examples. But you see, uh, the Philippines is, uh, and, and we might have another chance here with Lenny. Because Lenny, as uh, Oye said, really uh -huh. uh, exudes that kind of transformative leadership that we uh, that we need. And here is a woman. So it's not just any woman. It's not just every woman. But it's a woman who will uh, transform, who will be that woman uh, change leader. That's what we are. So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm still here. That's why I'm still uh, very uh, fantastic. In the company for Lainey, yeah. for Lila, yeah. you know. That's why Sok is so yeah. pink. And so <laughs> Oye, Dina, pink is the color of uh, Vice yeah, President Robredo. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Oye? You're so, yeah. you're so pink, I, uh, even her fingernails. By the way, by the way another uh, meeting. Yeah. So I think, uh, Dina, this is a question we all ask ourselves. What am I doing here? I'm already like in my 70s. And I started when I was in my early 20s this is going to be a lifetime struggle what an extraordinary you know what? life yeah when i was young you know uh -huh. i was I said i want to change the world now then uh i realized that there was so much to do okay let's uh limit that let's change the philippines now you know before it was the world then it was the philippines and nowadays i said uh, let me change the way my uh, dresser is arranged. <laughs> you know, <laughs> limit and limit your expectations of what you can and cannot do. <laughs> I arrange my furniture now. Or my books, do I put them in my bedroom or in the library? Well, okay. Things like that. But right. I think this goes with our maturity as individuals. We learn to kind of balance the, you know, the very grim and determined yeah. Expectations of what we can, right. what we can do, and you know the things that you can, you know, uh, kind of distract you from, you yeah. know, this yeah. determination. So, yeah. and and then I also through hindsight and perspective, we've got to have perspective. Otherwise, you will go crazy with this world. <laughs> yeah, I, I always believe that you know the way things go, it's not linear. It's always yeah. like a zigzag, and you know, win some. Lose a lot, but the way where is sometimes uh, one victory, yay, and then you have 10 steps backward, and then you get flustered again, you get very disappointed. But I think this is the way change goes, and, and the only thing that can change that is really uh, collective action to change the course of, you know, and direction of your country. And while uh, I'm not so optimistic that we get, have the majority I think we have the initial um, the, niche, the initial gains when I look at people, young, especially young high school students, 
even my children without my prodding and usually nag them. But for this, for their reaction to what's happening is their own, uh, you know, analysis. And I, I'm very hopeful that the young generation will bring in more energy, more uh, perspective of change. And yeah, and I think that patience is really part of those who are wanting to change the world. Uh, my only hope is that I'm, you know, still around and kicking when those changes happen. And uh, for us in this election, it's a do or die because, you know, the one from the past is like a nightmare from the past coming back and giving us even more nightmares. You know, the dictator's son is coming with all the resources and all the machinations, but only the will of the people can break that. So uh, one, uh, frustrated, yes, but at the same time, you balance it with you know, a little bit of hope because there are signs of uh, yeah. hopefulness yeah. in, in any dire situation. May I say something? I think I know, um, Amina and uh, Dina, for us to balance the discussion, mm-hmm. we not only be talking about the women leaders, women mm-hmm. Elected office, you to talk about women voters. Yes. And when we talk about women voters, I do not mean just women voting. Yeah. Because in the Philippines, more women than men vote, more women than men register. But women really, women's vote making a difference in who win or lose in an election. I think that is what uh, what I mean, and I, I emphasize this in the women's movement organized by Oyis Wagi, that uh, we should look into, you know, uh, how we can build the women's vote, not in just making them vote, but making their vote make a difference. I'm referring concretely, for example, to how President Obama uh, right. did. There was a gender gap in uh, the in the votes for President Obama, more women than men voted for him. So that when he assumed office, the women took him, you know, made him accountable, you know, uh, because you can use the women's vote as an accountability tool. Now look, you know, you got into office because we elected you. We voted for you. So you should be now answerable to us, to all that you promise in terms of health care, in terms of education, in terms of social security. I think that is the other side of the equation that we have to look into. Is that because we are very yeah, like leader-oriented, or you know, but we should also look into, into the voters. And I think that's how it's going to change. If uh, the women's vote and women are able to show that it's their vote that made a candidate win or lose, like in this election, Let's see what's going to happen here. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, Sok and uh, Oyi. Well, maybe you should start with Oyi first. If you were to design 
the agenda of the next administration, what would you recommend to the, the succeeding um, administration that could empower women and make them real participants in decision-making, in uh, peace and uh, security? Mm. Yeah, that's um, a very good question. Um, I mean, I, I think we already have uh, not only the seeds, we have the policies, we have the laws, we have the international standards that uh, says that equal participation of women in politics, in economic life, in cultural life is, is something that that is necessary not because uh, it benefits women alone, but it benefits all of society uh, as a whole. Uh, so I think the uh, uh, most legislation and reform that we need are already there, already there. Uh, the problem is that many of this, uh, many of these laws and policy are either ignored, have no resources, and uh, most of all, uh, there is no political will to implement them. Uh, take, for example, the dynastic uh, the bill <coughs> to at least regulate or even break the dynastic uh, rule of uh, families in the Philippines. There has not been any serious effort not to push that at all. And those that did, uh, exceptionally coming from the, uh, dynastic families like the Hoson, uh, the former congresswoman, uh, Congressman Hoson, uh, really just faded, and uh, the the bill has you know gained just had uh, was uh, put in the back burner, and there's no attempt to even discuss it or debate about it. Uh, the second is, I think uh, many of the the things that we are trying to kind of uh, dismantle are not, not only in the laws, but also in the manner of governance, the style of governance that was set, uh, really damaged the institutions. And I think that was six years. Luckily, six years is not such a long time that we can, in fact, uh, recapture. Uh, we can, in fact, reinvent. And we can, in fact, deal with this institutional damage that I'm talking about. Like, for number one, you know, the use of foul language <laughs> and, and misogynist language that has become the norm. Uh, you know, the first time in, in, in Philippine politics and history that that's been the norm that's been, you know, accepted in silence by especially men. So that's one. Uh, the second is the accountability and transparency. You know, that, for example, we are more than three trillion uh, dollars in debt, and there has been no accountability or no documentation as to how were these uh, resources spent. No, and uh, number three, that there is no not only accountability, but you know the important thing about transparency in terms of the budget, in terms of what uh, this uh, the administration and government plans to do and delivers. Uh, so. You know, so you end up with the citizenry being doubly frustrated and disappointed. So to bring back the trust and confidence is the first order of business, whoever wins. But if you, you know, if we have a leader that perpetrates, you know, this 
backward practices, uh, I, I really haven't sick. <laughs> how do we disentangle? How do we destroy this, uh, you know, uh, many harmful practices that has been, you know, nagging our political system? So I do hope that we have, we will usher in a new style of government, one that's trans transparent, accountable, and that will gain the trust and confidence of the people. I'm, I'm actually tempted so badly to move to New Zealand and uh, yeah. and live near live near the hobbits what about you what about you so what would you what would you recommend Actually, the women have already come up with an agenda yeah. so the next agenda there's a women's agenda that right. was uh, that was drafted uh, by uh -huh. the women themselves through extensive consultations in the Isambayan uh, women's group. And uh, th these are the components of that agenda. Kabuhayan uh, in uh, English, that is your, uh, what is that? Kabuhayan, that is your economic uh, opportunities, uh -huh. which is healthcare, Karapatan, which are rights, and number four, Pakikilahok, uh, which is participation in decision-making. and. Uh, these four um, items, actually, uh, Lenny uh, Robredo signed a covenant with women uh, to include this in the agenda of government. And how will this help in, uh, you know, in, in encouraging women to participate uh, more actively in our electoral process or in decision making or in running for office? Well, look. If, if, if they, they don't have jobs, if they have the livelihood, uh, they cannot really even participate in the rallies that we are so excited about. You know, these yes. rallies that are happening in the Philippines, huh? that will only um, constitute 11% of the voting population. 89% cannot join. Why? Because they are busy earning a living. They cannot go there. They, they are in the call centers. They are there uh, vending of fruits, vegetables. Number two is healthcare. If women are sick, how can they run for office? And healthcare, especially in the pandemic, is very, very basic. And uh, when you say healthcare, you also mean their sexual and reproductive health, which, by the way, was neglected during the COVID period because mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the priority was different. And then we said Karapatan rights, not women's mm -hmm. rights also. Uh, must uh, be respected. And uh, for for example, I'll give you, because it's the Philippines anyway, we talk about uh, extrajudicial killings, Dina. These are mm -hmm. the people killed during the drug war. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Suspicion that they used drugs, or they did, but they do mm -hmm. use like just little, you know, um, 0 0.005 grams. And uh, they were killed in all this, you know, uh, in all, all these police operations, although they're saying that, oh, because they really, you know, uh, fought, they, you know, had guns and blah, 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 which are, of course, all lies. And uh, who were left behind? Left behind were the widows, the orphans, and they don't have even the right to bury the dead. They don't even have the right to bring up the case in court because, of course, of our, uh, our criminal justice system is so, so broken. And then, of course, uh, in participation in decision making. Yeah, uh, we have this. Uh, we, we need to really uh, focus on this aspect and not just right. by way of 
you know, passing laws. The Magna Carta of Women, the Philippines is the only country in the world with the Magna Carta of Women. But how many mm-hmm. really implement, how many observe, and who are really accountable for uh, implementing this Magna Carta of Women? The Magna Carta of Women says something about violence against women, which can be verbal abuse. And who is the number one abuser? The president of the Philippines. Had he ever been, uh, you know, uh, held accountable for that? No. So he just keeps on insulting the women. So, uh, in short, uh, Amina and uh, Dina, I'm not running for office, but I, I, just delivered, I just delivered my campaign speech. Maybe you should, so. You should. So what I'm saying, Amina, <laughs> oh, he's gone. What I'm saying is, look, we really uh, need to uh, have more women. Amina, I want to pay tribute to your mother. You know, thank you. Uh, you know, Senator Santinino Rasul. Right. Because even as you say that we women, no, we were we are in the patriarchal tradition. Your mom was able to transcend that. You know, Senator right. Rasul uh, was able to, um, you know, uh, be her own person. You know, uh, run for office, push for women's rights. Because every member working with her on uh, passing the Women in Nation Building Act. That's you know, right. So. Even, even this March 8th, you know, this celebration of Women's History mm-hmm. Month, we worked through her. So women can transcend patriarchy. Do you know what kind of Senate we will have uh, come 2022? We'll have a Senate where there are, you know, the mother and the son, the sister and brother, the mm-hmm. mother and the... It's obscene. It's going to be a family corporation. I yeah. think we have that kind of in Malaysia, yeah, but yeah. Ah, ours, we always do it, you know, it's, uh, we always overdo it. And yeah. look, Amina, I, I like yeah. Dina, Dina, she should yes. tell Dina about this also. Yes. And look at the kind of candidates making it to the Magic 12 in the Philippine Senate. You know, you have somebody who hosts, uh, what is this, a, 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 a radio a uh, show where you can complain about your your husband philandering or uh, having a mistress or blah blah. She's number one. Wow. And then you have somebody who is a movie actor, or you have some. Oh, oh, I tell you, <laughs> it's really colorful. I mean, Sock is going to faint already. <laughs> Don't yeah. faint. We need you. But you know, Amina, I hope that with all these women that we've met. I really do hope that we can actually do a proper conference with everyone. I hope it's because it is so exciting, the women that we've been talking to. And yeah, please, this is, I think the Philippine experience should also be brought to Malaysia where you all can talk about issues and governance. You know, the Philippines gives me a headache. (laughs) Anyway, enough with headache, Sok. Let's think inspirational. Okay. We have got yeah. a lot of young women listening to us from yeah. more than 45 countries. So why don't yes. you inspire them, Sok? Why oh, is yeah. it important for women, especially young women, to participate in, in politics? Not necessarily mm-hmm. to run, but to participate in decision-making and in politics. Yeah, I believe women yes. will change the world. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what I think. And I think that... Uh, you know, the young women uh, all over the world who are now uh, engaged in all the active in uh, not only the electoral process, but in uh, different uh, aspects of political transformation 
there's where we uh, really um, have a lot of hope on. But uh, having mm -hmm. said that, uh, this um, young women uh, have to be independent, have to be strong, have to have their own mind. Don't follow your your, your conservative, traditional, patriarchal mothers or parents. No, you have to go beyond that. And but I think they nice. are like, of course, Oyi is, uh, you know, uh, fighted all those training. Yeah, and uh, we also have no Amina in our training with the uh, Muslim, you know, the young women. Yes, Muslim. yes. So there, there's lots. There's lots of uh, hope. So uh, I don't like really to be sound like negative, cynical. I'm just being realistic. I'm really tired of women of my generation anyway. So the hope is really for the young women who are all now listening no? and in different parts of the world. They really will, um, I think, uh, show us the way. We, we have a lot to learn from them than them learning from mm -hmm. us. You know, that, that's really my take. It's not they learning from us. We have a lot to learn from them. Absolutely. Okay. And with okay. those words of uh, inspiration, we really have to thank yep. um, Oyi and Sok for right. joining us and giving us their usual exciting and, uh, and sometimes uh, quite controversial take yeah. on, on <laughs> women and participation. So I, I really like it every time Sok's around. To give you us know, all, of this, all of these tidbits and gems. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I always, I always tell people, my quiet diplomacy is only for five to ten minutes. <laughs> After that, you get what you want, and what you okay. see is what you get. Right. See, that was my uh, biggest, you know, uh, problem was in the UN. Right. You have to be diplomatic. You, have to, ah, you know. Okay. But now that I'm out of it, I can say anything I want. And I, yeah. did. I just did. Okay. And thank you for saying everything you want. So, <laughs> yes. So, so let's, uh, let's thank our thank listeners, you. Dina, yes. for joining us on yes. She Talks Peace. Thank you, everyone, for listening to such a spirited discussion on women in politics in the Philippines. <laughs> and to those who are fasting, Selamat Berkuasa. May your Ramadan be wonderful. Thank you all. Okay. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. We'll see you again next week. And let's hope it's just as politically exciting <laughs> as our discussion yes. today with right. Skok and Oji. Okay. Thank you very all much. Right. Bye. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.